0: Welcome to the Bothering Strangers podcast. My guest today is professional softball player AJ Andrews. AJ, how's it going?
1: Going good. Going good.
0: So, like we were talking about uh, just before we started this, uh, you were playing in a new softball league this year called Athletes Unlimited. So, can you, to like, just kind of explain to me how how that kind of happened? How you know you were in the national pro fast pitch league which is the prominent soft league in the united states and then you moved over to this one so what what kind of led you to was it just the pandemic or was there something else that led you to playing in this other other softball league
1: yeah so they kind of they coincide so they coexist and they really are two leagues that were built to kind of work together through the fact that the pro fast pitch leagues begins in the summer so like the end of may early june and goes until august and then the athletes unlimited league starts in september so really gives girls an opportunity to get paid more right as athletes because you're getting paid from one league and then you get paid in another uh, but also an opportunity to continue to get more exposure for the game and the sport so really a lot of the girls that you would have seen playing athletes unlimited have played in the npf or played on another team prior to playing in athletes unlimited and you know with me and really majority of the other girls it was just an opportunity like no other athletes unlimited was a completely new system, a completely new league, almost like a fantasy league. So there's a draft every single week where you have a, you're on a new team. Um, you have our you know, different girls that you're playing with, that you've seen or competed with all the time. And I think it was just an opportunity where we were going to be on, we were on ESPN, we were on CBS. Um, and we really had a lot of control as the athletes where you don't see sometimes in a lot of leagues. So it was kind of basically a league that was ran by athletes for the athletes, where we're able to get money and then you actually get a bonus depending on where you end in your ranking. So another opportunity for us to get paid, um, unlike we've ever really been paid before as professional athletes, you know, the ways that we should be paid. So Athletes Unlimited was just another great um, addition to professional softball. Uh, So it really wasn't anything that like I decided to play outside of the NPF. The NPF just did not have a season due to COVID this year and athletes unlimited found ways due to the fact that we're all going to be in one area and under a bubble uh, to make it happen. So it was really cool to be able to participate in softball this year.
0: So um, explain this to me then Uh, you like you would change teams every week and just kind of have new teammates
1: Yeah, so there's a draft every single week. So at the end of the draft, you basically have new teammates. Uh, There's 56 girls. So a lot of times you're playing with the same girls, but there's been girls I wasn't on the same team with at at all. Um, But there's four teams, and each week you're on a different team, and you're really basically playing for points. And so when you're playing for points, right, the most points you can get is if your team wins, which you get points for every inning. So if you win the inning, you get more points, For as personal or individual points, you get points for – a walk you get points for hits you get points for home runs getting runners in so there's just a different point system to where you can be ranked in on the scale and by the ranking is how much money you get for your bonus
0: wow that really is i've never heard of anything like that 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 really is by the players right there that really judges players solely off how they perform
1: yeah a little bit uh you know a lot of it's based off of the win, like the win is the most. So in reality, you could go four for four. But if your team loses, you're still going to be lower in the ranking than someone that maybe went zero for four, but was on that the winning won. team. Right. So, you know, there were some things that, you know, I think that Athletes Unlimited moving forward are going to do really cool to kind of help it be a little bit more for the players. But it definitely was a really cool season and a really cool opportunity to see um, how it would work and just a really amazing idea for athletes to just to get more excited about the game of softball and have a new look, especially with us being on TV. Uh,
0: yeah. So you, um, you, you brought up money and, you know, can't not talk about money where uh, I know you talked about earlier, like that when you were in the national pro uh, pro fast pitch league, you know, you're getting paid less than $15,000 a year. And, you know, like you said, like in your documentary, you could literally qualify for food stamps Mm-hmm. while being a professional athlete which is not something we think about because most professional male professional athletes are you know making in this country making a lot more money than that so how so you obviously made money so will still make money in the season through coaching and through calling you know games and the like, commentating but how do most professional softball players make enough money how do, how a do lot they-
1: of softball players are coaches in the off season so they coach college softball or they coach travel ball, softball, high school softball, where they give a lot of lessons. And so it really just comes down to whatever it is that you can do, you know, to kind of stay afloat. Um, Like you said, you know, with us being professional athletes, we don't necessarily get paid that way. And so, I mean, just the realization or the thought that a professional athlete has to have a second job is, I think, for a lot of people, hard to fathom. Uh, But for women in sports, it's the tough reality for a lot of us.
0: I mean, even in the WNBA, they're playing you know, some of the top players are playing in Russia in the off season. So,
1: well, yeah, I mean, in other countries, you know, it's viewed, I mean, I've talked with a lot of I'm friends with a lot of WNBA players and when they go to other countries, it's just viewed as a sport, right. They don't really separate it into a man's sport or a women's sport. It's just basketball. And so they get paid like basketball players. Right. And so that's why they go overseas, because, you know, I mean, Diana Taurasi even skipping seasons in the WNBA because she gets paid so much more money to play overseas, right? It just comes down to um, your way of life and being able to maintain that. And sometimes it's hard to do in America with the, you know, society's views at times on women in sports and how we should be treated and viewed.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting, like in Diana Taurasi's case, that, you know, she's, been at the top of the WNBA for like a while. Oh, the
1: yeah. GOAT.
0: Yeah, the, the GOAT. And the WNBA is regarded as like the top women's basketball league in the world, but she's getting paid at lesser, more money at lesser basketball leagues.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it comes down to just like the view of women in different areas in different countries. And I think. You know, hearing a lot of the WBA players talk about playing overseas and how you're just, you're just treated differently. It's just a different scene. People are really excited. I mean, even softball, going to play in Japan, they get paid. If you go play in Japan like uh, League, you get paid a lot more money. And people view you as just talented individuals. They don't try to separate you as, oh, yeah, she's a woman. <laughs> and, you know, that automatically apply for you deserving, for whatever reason, less money. So, you know, it's really interesting to hear those stories and then come back to America. And while, of course, you want to represent the country you're from, of course, you want to be able to play here and and be able to be a part of these leagues. But when you're kind of respected and paid more and valued more in other areas, you know, you you can't do anything but understand why someone would go overseas and want to, to play over there.
0: Have you considered playing in Japan yourself?
1: I mean, I absolutely did. I mean, there was one year where I was going to go, but I was finishing my master's. So just because it was kind of an unopportune situation, because you're there, you're there for about six months. So I wouldn't be able to finish my degree. And, you know, it kind of got to where me, as someone who is pursuing other avenues outside of softball as well with hosting, you know, it just wasn't advantageous for me to go overseas. Um, but for sure, if, you know, I wasn't so adamant about pursuing my other goals, playing in Japan would definitely be something I would want to do.
0: Yeah, I I can for sure see that. Um, One, you know, uh, myth, I guess, that's kind of been perpetuated a lot is that women's sports uh, just don't sell. So do you know like where that myth kind of came from?
1: I mean, I think that just comes from a long history of, women being viewed as one way and men being viewed as another. I mean, it comes down to, I mean, even if you want to go back in history, right, there was times when it was thought that women shouldn't be physically active or it was going to, it wasn't going to be conducive to reproducting. Like there, there's a lot of just falsities in this world or, you know, false information out there about women, um, women not being able to perform at high levels, women, not being able to be as entertaining right or not able to sell and it only comes down to the fact that people believe that or some people have this idea that women are inferior to men and because of that that they are not in positions to be as successful as powerful or as dominant and you know a lot of that in my opinion comes down to the jargon it comes down to the framing of women especially in the media when you talk about men and all of their, you talk about LeBron James, right? And you talk to about him in a way or a fashion that makes him seem like a superhero in which he is, right? But Diana Taurasi deserves that same tone of language as well, right? You know, there's these situations where you think, even think about it with men in sports, right? Men have nicknames. We have the mailman. We have the, you know, I mean, we have so many things we have, Deion Sanders has all these nicknames, male, man. You have so many situations in which men are megat- megatronic. There's so many things where men are viewed as more than, or more than human. Right. And right. that's what gives them this perception of being so strong and being so powerful. And when you talk about women, that same level of conversation is not being had. And when that's not being had, it's made to believe or framed as if women what they're doing is easier, right? Or is something that can be achieved by anyone. Which, if you go online, go on Twitter, you'll find a lot of uh, what I call couch um, coaches—a lot of people that believe that they can do things uh, that women can do. And you know, it just—it just comes down to the way women have been framed for a really long time, and those discussions that have been had for a really long time. And once those things, those myths, can be broken, um, that's when you see changes.
0: Well, do you think it's getting better? Do you think, I mean, you still have like women's sports, softball, basketball, uh, soccer. You know, they're not getting a whole lot of media coverage or not on TV that much, but do you think it's improving though?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, I think what's improving is women demanding to be respected the way that we should be respected. You know, I think that it's come to a point and then men also, right? There's been a lot more support from men, especially, and I know Kobe Bryant, you know, rest in peace, has been someone that has been extremely avid about advocating for women in sports. Um, you know, LeBron James has been one of those people as well. You have a lot of men in the NBA that come to WNBA's defense wearing WNBA shirts, where you know, really supporting and making it be known that these women are exceptional. Um, and then you have women understanding our power and understanding that we are exceptional and that we're not going to allow society to dictate what it is that we can and cannot do. And because of that, the change, of course, and the action, of course, you know, a lot of the movements that have been taking place um, just in general for women's rights, I think is kind of forcing the narrative of you're going to respect us as women in every field. And, you know, thankfully, sports is one of the ones that's truly jumping off.
0: Yeah. Um, so like we, we talked about this right before, you know, we got on here, but uh, you know, it's like women's soccer and men's soccer, I think is a perfect example of this, where it's like the U S men's team, women's team is so successful and they make less, a lot less than the men's team does a uh, national team. So do you feel that one of the issues is that we're comparing men's soccer and women's soccer as the same and baseball and softball as the same and the NBA and the WNBA is the same one, like, really like they're, yes, it might be the same sport, but they're played differently.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they're not the same sport, right? I mean, in theory they are right. They yeah, have a lot yeah. of similar rules. They have a lot of the same concepts, but in general, it's different sports and it's playing in a different way. And if you are a sports fan or someone that understands the difficulty in performing as an elite athlete, you have to respect what's being taken place in that sport the WNBA it's not the NBA, right? It's more skilled, it's more tactical. What they do in order to perform in the NBA, yes, yeah, more showmanship, be able to more dunks. But in reality, you respect the game for what it's being played. And soccer is the same situation. You respect the game for what's being pay- played, and you respect the athletes that are playing it because not everyone can make it, right? Not everyone can do what they're doing. If they could, then everyone would. Yeah. And you know, it comes down to softball is a different sport than baseball, right? The game is faster, and there's a lot of elements to that that make it harder. Right. But there's elements to baseball that make baseball hard as well. Right. Understanding that they're two different sports, but they're both equally as impressive and equally as difficult to compete in as an elite athlete and respecting the game for what it is and respecting those athletes that play the game for what it is. Um, I think once we separate the fact that women are not men, then we can truly understand and look at the women for the fact of what they are doing as impressive as what they are doing. And uh, stop trying to compare it to the men. I mean, I don't know how many times you see a girl hitting freaking—I don't know—rockets, right? She's hitting and just hitting. Free. She's launching every single ball, and then you have somebody come up. Oh, the field's only two hundred feet. Like, can you do? Can you do this consistently? What she is doing with the softball? I don't think so, right? Just respecting what it is that she's doing because it is exceptional and move on like at the end of the day a woman doesn't have to do what a man is doing to be considered great
0: yeah it's really interesting that like you know in the NBA the NBA and all these sports like we respect these male athletes as like the top of their game because that's exactly what they are but then in like professional soccer and in softball and basketball we don't respect female athletes as the top of their game except they are at the top of their game Like to play in the top league in the world or the country means you have to be a top athlete. And it's just not, and it's not really like being, you know, people can't frame it that way I find.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it comes down to the framing in general of women in the media. I mean, if you were to go back and look at how women are talked about years prior, right. The excitement that comes from, I don't know an and one, or the excitement that comes from a goal, the excitement that comes from you know the different situations that you see the men coming, and then you watch the same exact plays being had or being taken on the women's side, and just listen to how the reporters and sometimes how the people in the media describe it. Right? It's almost described as it's not described with as much enthusiasm. It's not described as much ferocity as you would hear in the men's, and it just comes down to how it is that you are framing women in sports um, in the media, and I think that. You know, there's so many people that are doing a great job of really giving women in sports that recognition that they deserve. But I think in order for it to continue to shift, which I believe it is shifting, um, it's going to have to continue and just keep pushing for giving women uh, the notoriety that so many of them have earned and so many of them deserve.
0: So I want to build off that even more for you as a black female athlete. Did you find that, like, when you were being scouted for college or for, uh, you know, like possibly playing professionally, did you find that you were being scouted differently in terms of, like, how they're looking at you, maybe how they were writing up your skill set than, you know, say, a white softball player, especially because softball is a much whiter sport?
1: Um, I wouldn't say I noticed any of that for college or, and honestly, I really wouldn't know. I don't know how the scouting kind of, takes place in other sports, but for softball, it really just comes down to like us reaching out and then them coming to our to our games and kind of seeing what it is that they want to have on their team. But for me, you know, I mean, I've had situations in which in my life where I've been, you know, deemed one way simply because I'm black or I've been asked if I can do this because I'm supposed to be fast. Right. Yes, I am fast, but you shouldn't look at me and immediately assume that. Right you should immediately assume that I'm going to be a base runner, which has happened in my career uh, when I was younger. There's been times and situations in which I've been told that I am acting a certain way. And these coaches know absolutely nothing about me, but they made that assumption due to the fact that I'm black. Um, there's been times when a coach has literally asked me, am I truly a softball player? Or am I just fast? Which, you know, exactly. So just, you know, there's been situations in my life for sure that I have come across um, bias, racial bias, and it really undermined the hard work that I put in as an athlete to achieve what I've achieved and to get where I am. And it's, it's truly unfortunate because I know that I'm not the only one that experiences that. And that's why for me, it's so important to try to be that voice and representation to force young girls to never succumb to that kind of treatment, to never let themselves think lesser of themselves due to the fact that they've embraced or they've come across someone that's really ignorant and has these ideals of them. Um, They're able to create their own reality and they're able to write their own future. And I would I just don't want to see anyone alter that reality due to the fact that someone in their life um, has had narrow-minded views.
0: So I mean, you talk about what coaches said, but did that ever, like, did the coach, because the coach plays you, the coach, like, you know, uses players how they want to. So did that ever become so bad where, like, you were like, I can hit, but I'm not hitting, you know, like, I'm just being used for this? When, like, so, like, you felt like they were just making assumptions incorrectly. And then they were using you as a player incorrectly. Did you ever, did you ever feel that way?
1: I mean, yeah, I've been used as a, I mean, I think it was probably early on in my career right, where I talked about being viewed as maybe a base runner rather than a, a complete player. And, you know, for me, it just come came down to, I'm just going to continue to prove who I am as an athlete and what it is that I can do eventually got to a point where I chose another team because I just was not able and I had nothing. To, I began to play more on that team and it was actually an integral part of the success of that team. But you know, it came down to you can only deal with ignorant people for so long. And so I just had to move forward to where I think that just goes to anyone, you have to go where you're wanted, you have to go where you're valued. Um, And so for me, that was a part of my thought process in moving on. But you know, I think that for a lot of black athletes, especially in a sport where they're the minority, uh, you know, it can come to you can get to a point where you feel as if you are not being valued or respected in the way that your talents present like you've presented that you are this talented athlete and that you are capable of doing xyz but sometimes someone that doesn't look like you um, is given more opportunity and I, I never really was able to put my finger on why other than the fact that maybe that's just not because these racial bias are put in place to kind of put you in a box and say this is what you should do right so because it's what you should do aj you're fast you're black you should be fast and then you have someone who's maybe white as it's fast. It's, it's exceptional because they're not deemed as should be, right? Um, and so it seemed as impressive. Um, so, you know, there's situations like that in which I know a lot of people that are minorities in whatever sport it is that they're playing, where their skill sets are being doubted. They're being questioned and they're being reviewed over and over again, where else is being overlooked. Someone that is maybe not even half as good as them, but because they were not... Um, Place with racial bias, um, they're able to get by without being questioned as much.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you see with white athletes in basketball too. I mean, it's, it's just whenever you're not, it's, a, it's whenever you don't fit a mold essentially. And then they and then, you know, you have to like, it's hard, you have to try, uh, try to break it.
1: Well, I think it's different. I mean, I don't know. I think that when you come down to like, let's say if you're talking about white athletes in a sport in which, you know, there's predominantly black athletes playing. Um, I think the opposite effect though is a little bit different because I do believe that when it's it's in, it's impressive. Like if you were to go around a group of black people and they're playing a sport and someone white comes up and shows a lot of skill, everyone's like, Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like
1: white boy got ups. Like he he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? It's they're excited about it. All right, boom, you on my team, right? When the, it's when the
0: white guy can throw down a dunk huh when the white guy can like throw down a dunk
1: right It's us like white men can jump right it's impressive yeah. it's exciting right. they people want that person on their team you know once you prove yourself it's done there's no more questions yeah, about what you're exactly. doing um but i believe it's the opposite for black individuals because black people have to continuously prove themselves right mm-hmm. white people get okay. one shot it's done all right we, you proved yourself good black people have to keep going or else it's looked at as a fluke
0: did you have so playing in you know the athletes in limited league being your first season in a new league? Obviously, like they know who you are from you know from playing at LSU and then from playing in, in other professional leagues. But did you have to? Did you find that you were having to prove yourself again because you're known and you you were, you were literally the first woman to get a gold glove like like ever, period? Mm-hmm. So obviously, you're known for fielding. And you're known for, for stealing bases as you did one time lead the NPF, the National Pro Fastpitch League, in stolen bases. So did you find that you were having to prove yourself again as a hitter?
1: Um, I mean, again, I th- I feel like <laughs> I feel like as black athletes in a lot of sports and softball, sometimes being the one of them, you do have to continuously prove yourself. Uh, you know, there's situations where, you know, me being the first woman to go glo- to win a gold glove, you know, while it's huge and it's great. And me, you know, even that the year after that, I, I think I had like the third highest batting average in the NPF, but I was still not invited to be on the team on team USA wow. or to try out for the team, you know? So, you know, there's just situations in which you're kind of left with like, what else can I do? You know, like, what else can I do? Yep. I just, I have to keep pushing. And, um, that's just kind of the situation, regardless of what league you're in, and you know it's just it's sad to say, and it's it's sad that that's the reality, but fact of the matter is is you know, a lot of times white people just don't get to, ha- get, can't take a rep off. We don't get to, at times you just don't get it to get a rep off, right? We don't get to have a bad season and it be looked at, she just, she had a bad season. It's looked at, oh, well, maybe she's not a good player, right? It's, the conversation is different at times. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but if we're just generalizing it all, right, the conversation is different. And, um, you know, as a, as a Black athlete, at times you have to swallow that and you have to, try to use that as fuel to keep pushing forward because not, you're not going to have a great season every year. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not going to happen to anyone in any sport. And, you know, and if you do, that's why you're considered a legend because it's hard to do. It's not something that gets done. I mean, there's, you know, there's amazing players with the great players. Then there's a the legendary players and you know, it's just, there's categories and there's, that's why there's so few people in that legendary spot. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I think that it just comes down to, I mean, shoot, I say few people. There's probably like when you think of legends, people probably think of maybe max five people in each sport that you could just knowing about that's a five legend.
0: People. I was thinking five people, period.
1: Right. Like, you not know, it's just people. not even exactly like it, that's it's it's so those people are just not human. You know, it's just it's different. And you know, it's just it's hard. It's definitely a difficult pill to swallow but i think at a young age at times being a black person in this world and in this country we're we're have this understanding that at times we have to work twice as hard to get just the bare minimum of what some of our counterparts get
0: i think Which lebron james i think lebron james is a good example of this because like i think because like two years ago they were like oh lebron he's slowing down and he put up like a really good season but it just wasn't quite the same
1: yeah it's like, you know, you just, you're scrutinized. And then as soon as like, you don't have that exceptional season, it's like, ah, oh, she just doesn't have it anymore. Oh, she's just not a good player. Oh, someone's better. You know what I mean? And you just, it's, it's unfair. It's an unfair reality. And it's unrealistic to assume oh, it's, it's that someone is going to be
0: completely unrealistic to be like, exactly. oh, you're going to have a good season every year. Right. Have you, have you, I mean, you've only, you've been playing professionally for, for four or five years now. So have you had any of those years cause from the hitting side where, you know, you just, it just hasn't, you had like a slump during the season or something happened and suddenly they're like, huh, AJ didn't hit as well this year.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, all the time. I think professional softball is just difficult, right? It's just, a, it's a tough game. Soft, baseball, softball is a tough game. And um, for me, like I've suffered a few injuries this past couple of years. So like this past season playing with athletes unlimited Actually, my left hand was fractured and my thumb on my right hand, my UCL and my RDL R- were both torn. So I was playing very injured. And I don't know if, I mean, when you athletes know when you play injured, the mental, oof, like, it's tough. It, it's hard, you know, it's hard, of course, physically, and then trying to keep up with the the toughness of the physicality of it, it weighs on you mentally, but then knowing that you're not performing the way you can perform weighs on you mentally, but then you have to realize, okay, but you're injured. So you're not going to perform the way. And it just is like, a, it's a circle and it just keeps going. Um, so, you know, this year, I don't, I feel like could have been a lot better of a year for granted. I'm playing with really no hands, <laughs> um, but you know, it just, every, every year i I feel like I add new expectations for myself and new things that I want to do and how I want to be better. And so any year that I don't feel like I really kind of reached that, I don't feel like it's a great year, but, you know, I mean, for me playing, what, five seasons now, I would say I've had two exceptional years, one decent year and, you know, two years that were okay. I haven't had like a terrible year. You know, there wasn't, I haven't had a year where I'm like, Oh God, like I got to reassess some things. But Uh, you know, always wanting to have exceptional years. So continuing to work towards that.
0: I, um, I don't know if you know about Blake Griffin's uh, audible series where he just has a series of podcasts with like athletes and just health people. And he always talks about how like last five seasons or so he's been pretty injured. And it's like, he feels like he's like the last injury he had, he was like doing everything right. And then freak accident happened. And you know, you as a basketball player, you miss half a season, a full season oftentimes. And it's like, and he just says like the mental side of that was like so difficult where you're like, I'm doing everything right, I'm like listening, I'm like eating right, I'm working out, I'm not I'm not going too hard, but I get injured again. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, and he he's 30.
1: hmm Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's tough because there's just nothing you can do about an injury. Like there's nothing. And you know, for me, I've had surgery. I tore my labrum in my hip. I've broken my hands a couple of times. Like I, you know, I've, I've been through the ringer and no matter what you do, and you know, as an athlete, you always think you can push through. You always think you you can make it on the other side faster than what your body's allowing you to. And you know, it's just, it's tough when you can't, you can't push through. You just, you physically can't, no matter how much mentally you feel like you can uh, no matter how much you try to put your body through, there's just when your body's saying no, your body's saying no. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough mentally, as I talked about earlier, to really come to terms with the fact that you, you can't push through it. Because there's so many, I mean, as athletes, we've been placed in so many scenarios in which it was tough, in which it was hard, in which we thought we were going to fall over and collapse. But we got through it, right? We got through all the, I've gotten through 100% of my tough days. And so the fact that I can't get through this one, um, it's, it, it does something really, really um, wild to your brain. And you know, it kind of makes you start doubting yourself in ways. And that's why you know, mental health and mental toughness and working on your mental game is, I believe is more important than a physical game because it all starts up there. Um, no matter how much skill or talent you have, if you're not able to have your mind in the right space, um, you're not gonna be able to get your body in the right space.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, man, it's for sure more important. Uh, I think Steve Nash was on a podcast um, not long ago he was talking about his last season when he was, he was like 40 years old, playing in the NBA. You know, like he's a Hall of Famer now, but it was like he was working out twice a day, harder than ever, doubt, just to like be like, okay. And, like, it's, it's kind of like what you're talking about, but it's, like, at the end, especially, like, when you get into your mid-30s and your 40s and your body starts, like, slowing down, you're like, oh, my God, like, how do I stop this? And, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. it's a
1: wear and tear. We played these, whatever game we played, I'm you played it since you were probably a kid, right? Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. like, you're playing the same sport, and if you're not, if you're sport-specific, right, that's why a lot of athletes do cross-training right now in order to be healthier, in order to kind of wind down on that wear and tear in those one areas that we're consistently using as athletes. Um, You know, but if that's not something that you've, or that's, even if you are doing that, like the wear and tear is just, it's going to, that's going to come to a head one day. And that's why people always talk about, you know, I can't be a professional athlete forever. No matter how much I want to, my body someday is going to tell me this is, this is it. This is probably our last season. And so it's a tough thing to swallow for sure. Um, especially when that's all, you know, (laughs) like, you know, you don't really know your life outside of that at all, but it's, it's something that we're all going to face at some point.
0: Did you, uh, did you play multiple sports growing up?
1: Yeah, I did. I played multiple sports when I was younger, played basketball, ran track. I was a soccer player. I was a cheerleader. So I'm still to this day, pretty, pretty flexible, Um, you know, then played softball. And so, I was really able to kind of, I don't know, I feel like I got really good at a lot of different things because of the multiple sports that I played. I felt like I was really agile and I was able to read the ball really well um, because of basketball. I was very good defensively in basketball, too. I I stole a lot of balls, had a lot of steals. And, you know, a lot of those things come down, to. I was anticipating where the ball was going to go. And, you know, that brings into me being an outfielder. I was always, I never went to where the ball was. I always anticipated where the ball was going to go, which has resulted in a lot of my great catches. And, you know, then soccer comes down to just footwork and being quick to the ball. And then you have cheerleading again, flexible, track, running fast. You know, a lot of these things that I did in these other sports that really contributed to my success as a softball player.
0: What what I find Weird now is that parents like they pick a sport for their kid
1: yeah, I think that's awful
0: at like six at, at the age of six and it's like so do you not think your kid's gonna be burnt out in ten years if they're playing one sport every day or a- almost every day presumably from six to 18 like there's no way because the parents always want their kids to play in college right It's like oh it's like I'm putting this investment so you get a division one scholarship as if there's no foreseeing anticipating of like of a burnout. So do you think like playing three other sports, I think, uh, do you think that stopped you from burning out or do you think it had had any effect on burnout?
1: I mean, I burnt out a little bit of some like, you know, basketball, I kind of got a little bit burnt out of. Uh, But, you know, for me, it was just you got to find what you're passionate about. You got to find what you're passionate about. And I feel like that kind of lessens the burn, but you know, again, to what you're talking about, it's also a lot of the pressure. I think people are putting on kids nowadays and just the pressure of recruitment. I think recruiting is a lot sooner and people are a little more stressed about it now than they have been in years past. And so for me, I was just having fun. Like I was playing the game. Cause I like to play it. My parents were not making me go to practice. They were not forcing me to do things. Like I was, I wanted to go, I wanted to be better. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that no one was telling me that I had to, right? And so um, when you come to that, you got to just let, I mean, I think that that's how you get better. And that's, I had no injuries when I was a kid, absolutely none. I played so many different sports and I did not get hurt one time. And I attribute that to the fact that I played so many sports. I worked every single muscle in my body, playing basketball, playing soccer, playing softball and being a cheerleader. Every single muscle in my body was being worked. Therefore, nothing had to overcompensate for something else. Now you have know, I go to I had to go to rehab after getting surgery on my hip. And I'm seeing kids in there that are like 10, 12, oh my God, they're, 14, so young. they're so young. Having surgery. I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, I didn't have a single injury when I was your age. And you know, a lot of that I feel like is because they're sports sports specific at such a young age. But also, what happens you though? is because there's so much technology kids don't just go outside and play anymore you know what I mean like when I was younger all we did was go outside and play I was in the woods I was trying like remember these kids had these freaking they played street hockey and I would out go out there and play street hockey with them like I just did everything as a kid we ran played tag you know what I mean like but kids don't do that now as much right everything is on the ipad or at home they're you know on their computer if they're not at practice and so I think it's just times have changed. Honestly, a lot of things have changed and that's really attributing to kind of this mentality or this thought process that kids need to play one sport and which is what's leading to, I believe a lot of injury.
0: It's for sure. I mean, it's logical. If like, cause it's like you talk about one sport, one specific muscle group overuse. So that that's the physical side, not even, not even getting into the mental side because there has to be something um there as well. So, like, what sport do you think like track helped you like the most? Because of you know, I feel like track with like it teaches people how to run.
1: Like, yeah, but I don't. I mean, no, I don't think that's running is you know it's good to be fast and in, in softball. But in reality, if you run but you take long angles, it's not going to help you at all, right? It comes down to being agile and you know being able to read the balls fast. But you would have quick feet uh, when you're either in the box or running on the field so for me you know i mean i think every sport i played had a contribution to helping me uh, you know definitely track with my running form but you know i think that basketball with agility and being able to jump on the ball really fast and the ball in the outfield i think being able to read the balls the way that i read it. even at a young age starting softball coaches coaches told me from the time i started playing softball to even in college that i just read the ball differently they don't see they don't look at people read the ball the way that i read them and I believe it truly is. I literally anticipate where the ball is going to drop. I never look at the ball's hit and you might as, I might as well close my eyes and just go where I think the ball is going to be. You know what I mean? I don't really look at the ball right. anymore. And so that's kind of like, uh, you know, I think a lot of that comes from basketball, uh, soccer as well. You had to do a lot of anticipation. In oh, soccer yeah. Too. oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, you know, a lot of those things just came from skills that I've developed from other sports I played. Um, And just watching the trajectory of the ball in soccer, what I think is going to happen, watching someone's body movements in basketball, where I feel like they're going to go or where I feel like they're going to pass, you know, a lot of that. And then having to get my body in that position to stop it. Right. A lot of things I feel like because I played so many other sports really developed me into being a great softball player.
0: Yeah. I can, I I see that now that you described it uh, that way. Um, when did you, when did you decide like softball was what you wanted to like focus on?
1: Um, softball kind of just became my one sport in high school. So ninth grade, I played everything up until the ninth grade. I was going to go, I tried out for, I was about to try out for the basketball team, but you know, it kind of got two point soccer and softball run pretty similar times track and softball run at the same time. So I couldn't play, I couldn't run track and do softball, but uh, you know, for me, I think ninth or 10th tenth, tenth grade, I probably started getting recruited a lot more. And I remember my senior year, i actually made the soccer, I tried out for the soccer team and I made it. And I was like, I just, you know, I kind of miss doing it. I just want to see if I can, if I still got it. I made the soccer team, but my softball coach convinced me to quit. I've never quit anything in my life, but wow. she convinced me to quit because she was just saying how at that point I was committed to play at LSU and she's like, imagine you getting injured playing soccer. Yeah. You know? And so she was just, you know, and I, I understood. So my soccer dreams came back to a, to an end. But, yeah, so I would say ninth grade is probably when it I got specific with softball. So, like, 14, 15.
0: Uh, I, I've been hearing now a lot more athletes in high school. That's when they focused on their whatever, basketball, whatever sport they ended up playing.
1: Yeah, because, if because it was a sport that. where it didn't run at the same time, I think that I definitely would have played two, but I wasn't blessed with that. All spring sports or turning or moving into spring.
0: I'm always very impressed with the college athletes that play two sports, like in college.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's hard, like really hard. So you had no break at all, no break <laughs> at all. And you're going... Always have, ugh yeah, it's hard. And football. college is hard. And then imagine being a student athlete twice, two seasons.
0: Yeah, and no, it, I'm good.
1: <laughs> that's hard.
0: Football and baseball is the one I hear about now. I, th- I think their seasons are just so apart from each other that that's, that's like the most feasible, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, a lot of baseball and football.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of well, like quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, obviously the NFL is a perfect example.
1: I mean, hey, if you take off in baseball and you get drafted high, you get to make more money for a longer time.
0: Yeah. That's why That's why I was so surprised that Kyler Murray – and I, I was wrong in predicting this as I say that. I w- That's why I thought Kyler Murray, who's on the Cardinals now, I was like, he should go play baseball. I was confident he was making the wrong decision.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess unless you're – but he's a quarterback. That's like a different thing. You know, I think if you're – if it was a different position, you know, like – running back and if you're running back and you play baseball you need to play baseball that's, pure. that's yeah it. it's,
0: don't be, that, that, that's bad that's stupid
1: your your time span your lifespan is just going to be so much so much longer in baseball but it's all subjective you know
0: it is it is subjective but I was also thinking for a guy like Kyler Murray who's like 5'9 five, 5'10 five, and a quarterback where it's like height really does matter I, I, I was I literally was telling people I'm like well I'm like I'm like he's gonna be injured within the first season and then like that'll be that I thought he was gonna have like one hit one big hit against him because he's smaller and that would like be it for him
1: why Johnny Manziel did it
0: I don't know why because I want Russell him, Wilson he, isn't that big because I want him to play baseball I, that's why it's because um. I <laughs> I watch football but I like baseball more so I'm like I need him to play baseball so I so I, so I was like I didn't want him to get injured obviously but I was like it wouldn't be the worst thing if he did, because then I could see him play for the A's. And then I could like watch him play and just tear up the MLB. I
1: mean, you could always. I know, like it's a different time, but Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders didn't play both.
0: But they taught. But but they say it's impossible now.
1: I know. I don't like. I don't know why.
0: But well, Deion Sanders says you can't be a quarterback. He he Because he, he wasn't a. Yeah, quarterback. Yeah,
1: it'd be hard to be a. It'd be hard to be a quarterback and do both. But I think if you played another position, maybe
0: maybe but he also says he could have been much better at baseball though too
1: oh for sure i mean once you once you play two sports and you're like splitting the time one sport inevitably is going to get more attention it's just it's just how it works and because that happens you just you probably could have gotten better or been better at one sport than you were but it's just the way the cookie crumbles
0: i want to ask about this before i forget the espn body issue you were in it 3 years ago um that's all that's something that like it's 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 a pretty big honor right to be like asked to be in the ESPN body issue
1: yeah a lot of really amazing athletes have been a part of the magazine
0: so how did you I mean what was when uh ESPN called you or was it Sports Illustrated it's ESPN okay I was yeah so when ESPN called you what I mean what was your reaction like was it just like an honor? What was your thought process then?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was honored. I was really excited. A little, you know, I don't know if nervous is a word, but apprehensive because obviously I'm naked. And, you yes. know, I just remember having to talk to, you know, I tell my dad about it. And, you know, my dad being a dad, just being like, mm, I don't know about that. And, you know, me and my dad, we my, for my whole life, me and my dad, in order to get what I want, I kind of have to make like a PowerPoint and my dad is a lawyer. He was a lawyer. He's now a judge. So I always have to like, think of the argument, the rebuttal, like I have to think of everything he's going to say back to me and present it to him. And my, with my answers, normally I'm pretty good. I think he like actually is just more impressed that I do that. I don't think I ever really sway him, (laughs) but um, you know, I did that and he came back with his response. He sent his own PowerPoint and um, but in the end, you know, he's just, my parents are extremely supportive. They've always been like that. They're always just people that, you know, they're just always there for me. So in the end, they're cool with it. And so I, you know, did the body shoe and, you know, for me it was an amazing honor because it had been 10 years since the softball player had been in the magazine and, you know, for me to be able to represent softball again and be able to represent just all the different body types that are in softball, uh, you know, for a long time, being a muscular woman, right, was deemed as manly. It was deemed as unattractive. And so, for me, it took me a long time to really get comfortable and to love my body and to love myself. And this was kind of like my, I don't know, emancipation. Like, I just felt great. Like, I just felt like this was me really loving myself, being proud of my body, being proud of the hard work I put into my body, and being able to showcase that after winning the gold glove. And so, you know, for me, it was amazing. And it wasn't as crazy as, you know, I think people were like, oh my God, you're naked. He saw you. Um, but, you know, it was really, it was super professional, just the photographer and the woman that was in charge of running the whole show were two people that ever saw me um, undressed. Whenever there was a break, they would bring me a robe. Like it was, it was done so cool. And I was on this dried lake in the middle of California somewhere. And, you know, very, it was, an amazing, amazing experience. And the response that I received from it was amazing. You know, so many people for me growing into my confidence was a work in progress. And I finally made it to the end of that and being able to help so many other women, um, you know, get to the end of their process too, was an honor for me.
0: Um, so when you, when you got the call, okay, they're like, okay, do you want to do this? And then you decide to do it. Did you work out a little differently
1: <laughs> yeah I did I did two a days for quite a-, a while um you know I was eating really great not that I, I always eat pretty great but like I, I would pass up on I love Reese's and I would pass you
0: something. call it Reese's too it's not, oh
1: my god I would pass Reese's. Reese's to freaking I was like all right for this month however long I have yeah. before I have this photo shoot no Reese's and so, yeah, I just, I got really disciplined and definitely worked out a little bit more. So just trying to mm, add a little more oomph to my already oomph. So it was great.
0: I watched the, uh, did you watch when when they did the, they had like the 10 year anniversary of the body issue and they did like the ESPN series on it? No. Oh, you don't know about this? Okay. Um, I thought you would. Uh, I just did didn't they, watch it. Oh, okay. You didn't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Carl Anthony Towns took it so seriously. Like, they documented his pro- his preparation for it. For, like, getting the call to being like, okay, I'm going to do this. He was so, like, on his grind. Just like you were about, like, I'm going to look the best I can look.
1: That's so funny. I was kind of like, I just wanted to make sure, you know, that I looked as strong as I always look. Because once the off-season comes, you know, you take a break. You're doing what you're doing. And I mean, I got, it was an email initially. I got the email um, during the off season. So I just was like, all right, like, we just got to get back to work even harder than what I you know, was doing. So yeah, I didn't take it as seriously as it sounds like he took it, but I definitely was like, okay, I'm going to, it's, it's go time.
0: He did everything he could without like impeding his progress as an NBA player, essentially.
1: That's interesting.
0: Because that, that's always the big issue with, with with when, you know, as I heard in the documentary, and like people like you or any other athletes are like, okay, so come beyond body issue. Like, okay, so I'm going to work harder, work out harder now. But at the same time, I can't like, you know, lose too much weight or gain too much weight. Mm-hmm. So that was, so, that, so that's always the big issue. Did you like talk to like your trainer where you're like, okay, so I'm going to do this and I want to look the best I can look. But obviously I don't want to like, go against anything for softball
1: no i just trained i just trained and worked out and just did my thing and you know i mean for me they're really for me power is what i focus on for softball a lot of power movements and power movements is honestly how you build muscle faster anyway so if you look at like the science of everything so for me i just did what i always did just kind of did at a more intense rate
0: okay pretty uh, i I was expecting like a very complex answer and it makes it's pretty. It's pretty sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's
0: pretty really straightforward. Uh, so, I mean, did you expect the call? Did, like, like, were you obviously you're You know, we're aware of the in sports, you're aware of the body issue, but did, but were you expecting them to like reach out to you?
1: No, I didn't know it. Like, they were going to reach out to me, and it was a surprise. And, um, but I was really excited for it. Yeah, I had no idea. So being able to get that and to be known that I was you know, the same caliber as a lot of these other amazing athletes was really cool, especially because softball, you know, at that point wasn't getting a lot or as much recognition as it could have been. So to kind of be able to be one of those people that are able to continue to give that push, you know, I, I took it seriously and was really excited for it.
0: What they have done pretty well in the last couple of years in terms of just getting a lot of athletes from different sports, including like, you know, the Olympic sports that we only watch during the Olympics Mm -hmm. and just kind of showing off you know how different how like for instance like um a thrower in the olympics is always going to have a significantly different body type than a softball player but they're gonna show it they're gonna show them in like the right ways
1: well it's all about showing your physique and trying to accentuate what makes you the greatest athlete you are. So it's not, you know, and everyone comes in different shapes and sizes. I think that's the beauty of sports. Like there's no defined physique that makes an athlete an athlete, right? There's so many different categories and different body types, different body shapes and reasons in which they are the way they are in order to be as efficient as they can be Mm -hmm. in their sport. And every single body type should be celebrated. So, you know, I think it's important to have that level of diversity and to showcase every sport, at least as many sports as you possibly can, Um, And showcase the beauty in that, and beauty in their muscle, beauty in their power, and beauty in their bodies.
0: Yeah, yeah. What you said. Uh, I do. I I I forgot to. to, I want to circle back to this. Um, Like we, because we were talking about this before. um, The we got recording, but you know we had this kind of conversation about women's sports the lack of media coverage but at the same time like how the networks don't give it media cut don't don't give women's sports media coverage so how can we even like appreciate women's sports if we're not if we're not seeing them Mm -hmm. so is it a hands in hand thing as in like ESPN and CBS and all these networks are giving basketball, soccer, softball all these uh prominent women's sports in the United States are is it do they, is it like, is this coverage work in the way where in order for women to get paid more in order for women to get seen more in sports, I should say, they just need to be like given more opportunities on TV or is that just one part of it?
1: I mean, I think that's one part of it, but you know, I think that's a big part of it. You know, I think that being able to be on TV more is extremely imperative in order for people to have access to those women in sports. I think people, a lot of times they consume Whatever is available, right? So being on social media, being on TV, you're going to consume and you're going to get your idea, your thoughts, your views on a sport, on a person, whatever it is, from whatever it is that you see and whatever it is you're taking in. If all I see is negative commentary on women's sports, I'm thinking, oh, women's sports are not as interesting to watch, right? If I see people talking about women's sports one way and I don't see it in another light, I'm going to think, oh, it's not entertaining. I don't want to even give it a try, right? Being able to see these different women and see them performing the way that they are to make your own opinion versus listening to whatever it is that you're looking at and consuming, because as you have easy access to it, um, giving women's sports easy access to viewers is what's going to change that narrative. It's going to change and allow people to form their own opinions. Right. But then you go beyond TV, beyond the exposure of that TV provides, you know, you go in just those conversations with women, giving them, celebrating them the way you celebrate men. You know, I mean, it's it's a known fact that women in sports only get two percent of sports coverage, only two percent. And that's that's even involving with like SportsCenter, right? Even involving the highlights that they're given, right? They need to be more and excited more. I've done a whole, I've done an entire paper on the fact that you can watch SportsCenter top ten, watch them describe the play that's being made by men, watch them describe the play that's being made by a woman. And it's just a different level of explaining it. It's heightened when you're talking about the man. It's more exciting. It's, oh, he did this. And then you listen to a volume. I remember specifically the play. It was a volleyball player and she had a kill. And it was just like, oh, look at that. Right? Like there's nothing that really adds the excitement or just the level of skill that really portrayed that I can't do that you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's things that we, the average human being cannot do what this woman is doing. So you need to talk about it as that way. And just like the average human being can't do with that NBA player is doing NFL player is doing right. We talk about it that way because we know it. So we need to talk about women the same way. And so it goes beyond just giving exposure. It also goes down to the framing. It also comes down to the narrative beyond or surrounding women in sports um, and once all those things are fitting and match the excellence that's being performed, um, then you'll be able to connect the dots with, ooh, this sounds good. Ooh, I can actually watch it because it's on TV. Ooh, I like what I'm seeing. And then that's how you get people interested in wanting to watch the sports more, which you have seen and it's been proven with um, what's been taking place lately.
0: Is there something happening? Because you talked about in, like, in Russia where they view – Women's basketball is just basketball, and in Japan, they view softball as softball. Is mm-hmm. there in those countries have they figured out? Is it is it just being treated differently? And is that why you know it's worth more money?
1: I mean, I think it's worth more money, or you get paid more money there because they view you as an athlete. Right. So fans come and watch the sport. They don't come and say, "Oh, this is the women's game. Oh, I'm going to watch the men's game." I'm just coming to watch basketball and I'm excited to watch basketball. That's how they view it over there. I don't, haven't played overseas. This is word of mouth. This is what I've been told. Uh So, um, but that's from what I've been told, how the athletes are viewed in those other countries. And so because of that, they get paid more because people enjoy watching them just excel as athletes because people don't believe that they can do something better than the people that are doing it. Okay, That's just not the attitude in America.
0: It's not. That makes sense. Well, AJ, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for letting me bother you. Uh, where, where can we find you?
1: You can find me on social media at AJ underscore Andrews underscore. That's Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me on TikTok, the AJ Andrews. And what else? And you can just look for my podcast and all different shows that I have coming up.
0: What's your podcast On those
1: locations. Called?
0: And what's your, what's your website?
1: The AJ Andrews. The
0: AJ Andrews. And your podcast is called?
1: It's not out yet. So I'll keep you posted. Just keep posted on everything AJ and I'll get all those updates on my social platforms that I just mentioned.
0: New stuff coming out. Thank you for watching. Thank you for letting me bother you and uh follow me i'm Max Hearing one on instagram and the the new instagram and the new podcast instagram bothering uh, at bothering strangers and uh everyone stay safe